0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emerus, CPA with Parmelson Associates. I was talking to a client last week about his parts margin. According to his financials in QuickBooks, he was making about half of what he thought he should be. However, when we started looking at a shop management software reports, we quickly both realized that these weren't going to help much. But why? Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Hey, did you know NapaTrax has on-site training plus six days a week support? It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Let us prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Are you tired of writing ads that don't generate one good candidate? Introducing Promotive, a full-service staffing solution for your auto repair shop. Go beyond the job boards and let them find your next rock star. They're ready to do your heavy lifting. Visit them online at gopromotive.com. Almost all shops run two sets of books. No, not like you're thinking. And if you're thinking that, then you actually run three sets of books. But seriously, you all have a shop management software and QuickBooks. I know there's a handful of shop management softwares out there that have it all in one place. But just like trying to do everything out of QuickBooks, it's very good at accounting. It's not very good as a shop management software. the same is the case for some of these shop management software. Hey, they're very good. And a couple of them are extremely good. But generally, their accounting leaves a little bit to be desired. So it's extremely common to be running these two sets of books. And, you know, we've talked at length about different ways to make sure that these two numbers are matching up or at least speaking the same language. And if you do have a discrepancy, making sure that you have good information classified correctly in both systems becomes more and more important. So the reason I decided to do this episode this week is really twofold. The first of which is, this is real. I talked to my client about this last week and thought to myself, "Mm, this is a pretty good story because this is not a unique situation. A lot of people have this issue. And number two, I don't generally talk about shop management software that much. Um, You know, Most of what we're doing is QuickBooks um, in the accounting and tax side of things, but we utilize our client's shop management software because it gives us so much information to allow the financials to be even that much more accurate. And also, since there is two sets of books, if we're looking at stuff in QuickBooks and we don't know if it's correct or it looks strange, we luckily have something else to be able to go and reference it as long as the information in the other system is actually correct. Back to the story about my client. And to kind of have a little bit of background here, client was, you know, want to talk about his numbers, not make as much money as he thought. He's got two locations. And if you're listening to this, hey, this might sound familiar. Every once in a while, I get that email. Um, I think I got it a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about one of my clients. I won't mention who it is. I said, Hey, that sounded pretty familiar. So yeah, I'm not making this up. Like I said, the, the names have been changed to protect the innocent on them. I love these stories. I mean, it's some of these are happy stories. Some of these are not so happy stories, but fortunately, unfortunately, there's a lot of people going through the same issues. So talking about this and, you know, talking about what we went through is ultimately helping. Well, I hopefully helping people. So anyways, back on track here. Client called me up and said, hey, Hunt, not making much money. Don't really know what's going on here, but obviously just not the same year that I had in years prior. And for a lot of our shops, I would say that that's the case. Um, we work with shops all across the country. And so a lot of times people ask me, hey, other people, you know, how are other shops doing? And for the most part, it's been another solid year. But I wouldn't say it's as gangbusters as what we saw in 2021 and 22, where it was just record month after record month, still got a ton of clients and majority of them still doing pretty well and a ton of them doing great. Uh, I got a couple out here struggling where, you know, most Americans are broke, right? They just don't have money. Interest rates are sky high. You know, inflation's really taking a toll on the average American and all businesses are seeing that and, and yours is no different. So wanted to kind of go down through the numbers and, and figure out what's going on here. So I started looking at the numbers, and one of the things I noticed right off the bat was parts margin. So parts margin was slipping pretty bad from 2021, in, or I'm sorry, 2022 compared to 2023. And I was kind of curious, you know, 2022, he was running about a little bit over 40% margin on his parts. Um, you might be saying to yourself, man, that's low. You don't know his business. You don't know how he operates. but he does a good bit of fleet work and a lot of heavy line stuff. So it's going to pull down a general average. And honestly, for his business, you know, 40% was strong. He was making it work, putting a healthy number to the bottom line. Flash forward to 2023, when I'm looking through these numbers, that was the biggest thing that jumped out at me because generally I don't see that much change in parts margin any negative way. Why? Because most people don't tweak their parts margin that much to have that much of an impact. And if you do have that much of a negative downturn, there's probably another thing going on there. So we were talking about it. We were looking through it. He's got two locations, which makes it a little bit trickier because it was kind of happening at both locations, but more at one location. And so one of the things I ask a lot of my clients is say, hey, give me the backstory. Give me the stuff that's going on that I can't see in these numbers that might add some more context to this. Do we have different people? Do we have different people on the counter? Do we have a different production staff? Did you change your process and procedures? Like, is there anything that can kind of justify what we're seeing? And there was some stuff there. Had an advisor, had to get rid of the advisor. Like a lot of people, once the advisor left, a lot of the real issues started to pop up. Some of those comebacks, some of the stories from customers that they just didn't want to say before. And really, it was a good move for my client. But we were looking down through the numbers Having some comebacks just didn't really justify it enough. You know, we talked about before, there's ways to do comebacks so that's still in your shop management software and it doesn't add variables to the financial statement. Um, but one of the things I was looking at is, all right, how much money are we talking about here that's different? Because if our margins are lower in QuickBooks than they are in our shop management software, then that means we are generally paying more for parts than we think that we are. Sales should always be identical on it. And generally, you're... Cost is higher in QuickBooks than it is in your shop management software, leading you to lower margins. And we got to figure out why. Are we paying more? Are we buying parts that we shouldn't be? Are we not getting credits back on our returns? Do we have a theft issue? Do we have someone overriding stuff in the shop management software? All those are common examples. Now, there's generally a scale to this. If let's just say, hey, I got a race car. A race car can only track down so much. And so when I talk to my clients a lot, hey, we have about a $30,000, $50,000. And in this situation for this nine-month period, it was about $80,000 that was more or less unaccounted for. And my client and I both agreed, you know what? I'm sure you guys had comebacks. I hope that it was not that much. And he said, no, I really do not think that that's all comebacks. So I said, all right, tried that, you know, trying to look down through here to figure out what could be going on. Now, next question was, hey, are you reconciling your vendor of receipts? Are you making sure that you're paying your parts vendors what you should be? And lucky for me, he has been. Oh no, I go down through those, I look at that. There shouldn't be a major gap in process and procedures. You know, we know that there's some comebacks, but there's something more going on here. I can't really figure out what's going on just based on kind of non-financial information I get from my client, as well as, you know, kind of taking a look at the QuickBooks reports. I'm going to go into shop management software. And shop management software is going to give us a lot of different details. Obviously, you can look at the business summary, the end of day report, whatever your shop management software calls it, which is going to show you the highlights, lowlights of whatever period, kind of a 10,000 foot view. Hey, what were our sales? What was our cost? What was our gross profit percentage? Now, that's what we're going to start with to see if we have an issue. If that shows 40, QuickBooks shows 40, we're done. We don't need to dive in anymore. Everything's being accounted for correctly. Now, if it doesn't, we start going into some of the more detailed shop management software reports. And for him, we were running a report called parts purchased report, or specifically what we're looking at is parts purchased by vendor. This client uses TechMetric. Virtually all shop management software out there have this report. Depending on what, re- or what shop management software, it's probably going to be something different. There is part sales by vendor. I believe that's what Mitchell calls it. Pretty much, you're just looking for a report that says, well, how many parts did I purchase? And I want a way to sort that by vendor. The reason why I want to be able to sort that by vendor is two reasons. First of which is if you just have a report of all the parts that you purchased on it, it's too much information. You're not going to be able to go down line by line, or I guess you could, but you're never going to want to. The reason I generally start into parts sales by vendor or parts purchased by vendor is I want to be able to see, all right, there's a discrepancy. Is there any sort of trends that can kind of hone in on one vendor versus the other? And generally when I'm looking at a classic parts margin discrepancy, I can go down and I can run this report and I could say, all right, here are the top 10 vendors. How much did I purchase from them? Let me run that same report in QuickBooks and let me compare. And inevitably, what you'll end up finding is one or two vendors are the prime culprits of this. Everything else is dead on. I can now narrow it down and say, all right, the issue here is with advanced auto parts. I need to go down line by line and figure out what's going on here. NapaTrax was built from the ground up to make your business more profitable and efficient. They provide an extensive set of tools to increase and track profitability in real time. NapaTrax offers the industry's best wholesale support, hands down. They train your people on-site. Yes, on-site. They also offer remote refresher training 10 times a week and customer support is open six days a week. Give them a call, visit them, or join our Facebook community today to learn more. They'll prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Napa Trax is always customized and tailored for your business, whether you're a one-man shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at napatrax.com. That's n-a-p-a-t-r-a-c-s.com. Is your recruitment process draining your valuable time and resources? What if there was a partner who could take your recruitment efforts off your plate? Look no further. Promotive is your ultimate solution for hassle-free staffing focused solely on the automotive industry. On the web at gopromotive.com. Promotive understands the challenges you face when searching for the perfect technician or service advisor for your shop. That's why we've developed a platform that takes the hassle out of recruiting. Michelle Tanzi from EuroClinic said, I am a shop owner and recruiting new talent is so time-consuming. Promotive does the majority of the seeking and recruiting. They reach out to the candidates for you and when they feel they are a good match for you and culture, they make the connection. They follow up throughout the interview process and we make sure that the candidates are a good fit and the shop is a good fit for the candidates. I admire that they genuinely want both parties to win. They recruited and paired us with a solid B-Tech and Master Tech. Both left a dealership position and are still part of our team. We are very happy with the character and culture match, and both technicians have become valuable team members. Visit our website at gopromotive.com today and join the growing community of shop owners who have found their ideal team members with Promotive a really weird thing happened when I ran that report. And so I should have written these numbers down, but my memory is pretty good, I think. I was taking a look at the end of day report and uh, between his parts and his tires. And this is very important because a lot of your shop management software will split out parts and tires separately on the end of day report. But generally on your parts purchased by vendor report, that is going to be everything. Parts, tires, batteries, everything all in one spot. There's always going to be variability here. The reason is, is because the end of day report is showing closed tickets. So let's say that you bought $10,000 worth of parts this week, paid for them cash, all done, but the ticket was never closed out. You guys are still working on that vehicle. The end of day report is going to show nothing, zero, 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 zero. We didn't close out any tickets. Our cost of goods sold was zero because we did not sell anything. However, when you pull up that parts purchased by vendor report, it's going to show that you purchased $10,000 those reports are working as they should. Generally, the parts purchased by vendor is always gonna be slightly more than your end of day report, because you probably always have parts in the building that you have not closed out tickets on. Now, if you have a ton of inventory and you pull stuff out of inventory, there's ways, but it's a very important report. Make sure you're comparing apples to apples here. When I pulled up his end of day report, it was shown around $360,000 in parts purchased, between parts and tires. So when I pulled up the end of the day report and I total it all up and I see that there's $360,000 in cost of parts sold between parts and tires. So I said, great. Let me start kind of diving into more detail. I'm going to pull up this part purchase report expecting to see a number pretty much similar, maybe a little bit high, maybe a little bit low, but definitely in the same ballpark. What I saw in there was about $260,000 of parts sold, right? About $100,000 less than what I'm showing on the end of day. And I was thinking to myself, and they do sell a good bit of tires. So again, I've been doing this a long time. So if someone calls me up and says, hey, I'm having this, this, and this, I always say, well, this is the first place I check. Option two is here. Option three is here. Option four is there. If we get past option four, you call me in because now I'm really curious because this is something I had never seen before. Kind of similar in this situation. Immediately when I saw that, I was like, hmm, you sell a lot of tires. I wonder if you're pulling this out of inventory. Uh, A lot of my tire shops will buy a bunch at the end of the year, Uh, make sure to get the rebates and stuff like that, and then draw off it the following year. Kind of uncommon nowadays with how quick inventory deliveries are, but hey, you never know. But I wanted to pull this up. Let me take a look at this. Let me see what the inventory, let me see if it's even possible. Pretty much instantly, I knew that I had an issue here. When I pulled the inventory report, how much did it show that he had an inventory? Around $320,000. I knew that he didn't have anywhere close to this much in inventory. And so I just asked him. I said, hey, Mr. Client, how much do you carry in inventory? Uh, you know, fluid filters, the usual stuff. We don't really keep that much. We get everything same day. Yeah, could call it five, $8,000. And then the next thing he said, well, what's it saying in there? I said, well, according to TechMetric, it shows that you have about $320,000 in inventory. And of course he said, well, there's no way that's correct. And I said, yeah, of course. I never thought that that was correct. And he kind of moved on to the next thing. I said, whoa, we can't move on to the next thing here. A lot of people, and this is super, super common, and you might not know how this is impacting your business. A lot of people are like, I don't care, Hunt. That inventory is so annoying to use. It's annoying to adjust stuff. I never look at it because we don't carry anything in inventory. I never do a physical count. I knew I only have four or five grand on it. I do not care. But if your inventory report is not correct in your shop management software, then neither is your parts purchase report. And to kind of come back full circle on this, one of his primary concerns when we first started talking about this was not only the comebacks, because he had the service advisor that he knew was costing him some money when he finally let him go, but also said, you know what? I don't think that my guys are getting all their warranties and cores and credits. We don't have a way to track that. And I said, I know there's a way to track that. Now, I'm not the biggest expert on shop management softwares on the operational side of it. I said, "Oh, there's definitely ways to track that. You could at least try. You know, ask around, a lot of these softwares have really good user groups where, hey, maybe you haven't figured it out. Someone else probably has." So I explained to them, not only can we not use that part purchased by vendor report because this inventory report is completely wrong, also, of course, you're not going to get credit cores and stuff back. You know, if you're looking at this and you're seeing two of these still out on the floor, You're not even going to think twice because you're going to think it's all wrong. First things first, we need to work on getting this inventory cleaned up. Go take account, get rid of all this stuff, wipe it out. Whatever you need to do, we need to get this correct. That got me thinking. Obviously, that in itself should get value for you. This in itself is showing you how, hey, even though I don't really use that inventory report, it could be affecting other reports. And I should even say could here. If your inventory is not correct in your shop management software... It's giving you bad reports. This was pretty obvious because that inventory was so drastically different. Hundreds of thousands of dollars off. And so when I looked at that parts purchase report, I knew right off the bat something was up. But what if that inventory is only off 20 grand, you know, only off 30 grand? Would I even have known when I was looking at that parts purchase report? Maybe, maybe not. And I could have drawn the wrong conclusions because I don't even know that I'm looking at bad numbers. And this is the whole reason I did this episode. Bad SMS numbers or bad shop management software numbers equal bad financials. The reason is because we and a lot of other accounting firms out there that are doing this the right way are using these numbers to be the check and balance, to be the sanity check between your two systems. We generally trust this stuff. Now, I know some of my clients that utilize certain aspects and don't utilize other aspects of this. But on those clients, I can't go into the full level of reporting that I would like to because I know that they don't keep up on this. And that's fine. If you're knowingly, hey, I got other ways. I got other things to track about this. I have this under control. Great. Do you. It's your business. I'm not going to tell you how to run it. But those of you that you know have never looked at this or have looked at that a couple of times and be like, ooh, that looks ugly. I'm just never going to look at it. I don't think that means anything. I don't care about inventory. It's not just inventory. This domino effect of affecting other reports and other you know options that you have to try and figure out what's going on here if you do have some sort of disconnect. I'll be honest with you, I don't know how to build a repair order. I don't know how to build a repair order in tracks, Shopware, TechMetric, none of them. You can probably figure it out. Most of these seem pretty easy to use, and I have spent a ton of time in these shop management softwares. Um, and some of the things I'm going to mention here in a second, I don't even know how to actually fix for you. However, I can tell you from the reports that we look at and my team looks at if you don't know either, because they won't help me or my team at all. So I want to go down through a couple more common problems that I see real quick here. Obviously, we touched on the inventory and making sure that that's accurate, but I've seen a lot of other issues that hopefully might be a wake-up call for you to start changing the way that you do things on both of your sets of books. We've already talked about inventory, making sure the inventory numbers are correct, making sure that cores, credits, returns, and stuff like that are being tracked accurately and through your shop management software if it does have the availability to do so. I see so many times people saying, oh, I'm switching to this. Oh, I'm switching to that. I can do all this. Half those people aren't even utilizing their current software correctly. And we'll talk about that in a second if you're thinking, well, you know what? That's all messed up. I'm going to jump ship. Accounts receivable. Accounts receivable is another one. Probably the second most common report that your accountant is going to be using behind the inventory report, if applicable. Accounts receivable is how much money customers owe you. I know what you might be saying to yourself. Well, Hunt, none of my customers owe me any money, right? We don't do credit. We don't do AR. I don't care about it. I noticed that on one of my clients the other day. So I was going down through, looking at stuff. I can't remember what we're trying to figure out. I think it was a cash clearing issue. My client wasn't depositing as much cash as he thought he would. And when I say cash, it was credit cards, everything. So let's say that they sold 100 grand in a month. They deposited 90,000. So I started pulling up some of these reports and I was like, man, this looks strange. Man, this looks off. Kind of similar to what I was talking about before. And again, payments, deposits, sales, all of that kind of go into accounts receivable. So when I pulled up his accounts receivable report, I said, "Whoa, I think we found our issue right here. He had like $3 million in AR. For whatever reason, whenever they checked out a, cl- a customer, they did not do their payments through the shop management software. They did it outside of it. And he never booked any of these payments in there because in my client's mind, he was like, "Hunt, we don't do credit. So if I have a car here, that person owes me money. If the car is not here, they do not owe me money. He didn't really bother about it at all. And I explained to them, I said, hey, we're trying to figure out what's going on here, but now your shop management system is useless to do this because we're going to use this as a check and balance. I wanted to go into shop management software and see, hey, did this person ever pay me? And if they never pay me, then I shouldn't be expecting it in QuickBooks. If they did, I should be. Because an accounts receivable report was wrong, five, six different other reports were also wrong by default as well. Now, the funny thing is, is he's been in business for a long time. Extremely, extremely good business. And this was not affecting his business whatsoever. It was an annoyance because we were trying to figure something out and that report didn't help us. There was other ways on it, but it really opened his eyes because he had always thought, and like I see, been doing this for about a decade, you know what? I had never really understood about that issue. It's not just localized to the AR report. It has broader kind of implications on this. And we're going to start doing this. It takes two seconds. It's not even a time-saving thing. He didn't really even know why they just stopped doing it. He thinks that he had one advisor that kind of explained to him, well, hey, we don't do any of this and and kind of went along with it. But when I explained of, hey, we can't do that because X, Y, and Z, hopefully now, but he said when he got off the phone, I'm going to go and talk to them and we're changing this right now. Another thing that I'm not having that accounts receivable side is, hey, let's say that you don't have any sort of credit, right? You don't give out fleet accounts. A lot of my clients is, if you get burned on this, if you write this off, you're going to be able to pull that up the next person that comes in. All right, Mrs. Smith burned you. Walked away on a $1,000 invoice, never paid, never heard from her, whatever. She calls you up to have another appointment on it. You're going to be able to quickly tell, all right, let's look at the last visit she came in. Oh, she didn't pay us for that. Yeah, you're not coming back here. Don't pay me. You're not coming back. I think that's kind of universal for any businesses or at least small businesses. If you stiff me on a $6,000 bill for your taxes, you know I might applaud you for the uh, courage to try and hire me the following year, but you're not going to happen. I'm just not going to do it. Go find someone else. Hey, you pay your bills. You treat up with respect on it. We will do just about anything for our clients. You don't pay me. Yeah, I got no time to talk to you. One of the things here I wanted to, and I've been trying to think about how to put this in here. And when I was going down and I was writing these notes beforehand, this popped up in here. But one of my clients, and actually some of my clients have told me about this of all different ways that they do this. But creating a grading system in your shop management software is a really cool idea. And I know I'm going off on a tangent and it'll be quick, but I just wanted to mention this one. You might be familiar with the three-strike system. And a lot of people do this. If you see an X in front of the person's name, it's like, eh, take a little bit of caution. Two Xs, it's like, man, they're on borrowed time. Three Xs, not a customer. If they call, hey, you know what? Take it somewhere else. We're booked, however you want to say it. Grading the bad ones and kind of giving a warning and some, uh, some behavior might give you three strikes right off the bat. But being able to kind of universally tell your team who they're dealing with. And this is especially important for people to have multiple advisors that might have never dealt with that person before. Or also maybe you don't see that person for another two years and your current advisor's not on the counter. Really cool idea. To go even further, what do some of my clients do is go the opposite way. XXX is not good, not coming in our door. Some of them have gone and went the other way. Hey, 1Z, they're a good customer. 2Zs, they're a really good customers. 3Zs, they're a VIP. And I believe that some of these shop management software have also created tags where you could tag this kind of stuff. Let's be real. Not all customers are created equal. Are you going to squeeze that guy in that only comes in for oil change and doesn't ever get any of his recommended service? Probably not. The guy that spends $60,000 with you every single year, never complains, pays on time. Are you going to tell him to wait two weeks for an oil change? I would hope not. Now, if you're smart and you have a good kind of grasp on who your customer base is, just picking up that phone, looking at that caller ID, you might be able to tell who is who. But what about if someone else answers the phone? This is when that grading system becomes so important because a lot of times where some of these relationships are hurt is obviously the owner picks up, they know, they have a rapport there. They're going to say, come on in, Greg, we'll take care of you, whatever you need. Um, Now, if your porter or your admin person answers this, they might not know who the heck Greg is i might say, Greg, I mean, take in three weeks. And you know what? Greg got a little bit of an attitude because Greg spends a lot of money in your business and your employee wouldn't turn around and start screaming at him because he didn't like the way he was talking to him. And you just lost your best customer out there. A little bit of an extreme situation, but maybe a push to start doing these grading systems. Now you might be wondering, Hunt, do you do a grading system for your business? No, because all of my clients would get three Zs. They're all VIP to me. But seriously though, we don't have the grading system. Uh, I would say we have a little bit different business than you guys do. I am a lot more selective about who I work with. Um, you know, we have a lot more limited capacity than a shop does. And you know what? I don't have time. My team does not have time to deal with jerks. If you're going to be a jerk, you're not going to be it. If you have two X's, you're gone probably in my business on it. If that says a little bit of anything, then yeah. Maybe then if you are one of my clients, makes make you feel a little bit better. Hey, we do like you. We love all of our clients and try to do our best. But all we ask is the same kind of treatment in return. Back to some of these common mistakes here and got, what, three more on here I want to go down through. And some of these, again, are kind of intermingled. Honestly, this next one, payment types, is are you going to be messed up if you weren't doing the AR report? This is how interconnected this stuff is. Payment types, a lot of people, you might be thinking to yourself, oh man, I need to start closing out tickets. So anytime someone pays you, you're gonna put cash because you don't care, you don't run the credit card through there, everyone's paying me cash. No, payment type is super important. I wanna know if it's cash. I wanna know if it's check. I wanna know if it's a finance company. I wanna know if it is, I wanna know if it's Venmo. I wanna know if it's Zelle. You get the idea. Whatever I got paid on there, there's gonna be choices for payment types. It's important, use it. Make sure your team is using it and make sure your team is putting into the correct buckets. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, why? Why do I care? If I got paid, who cares if I got paid in crypto, cash, check, credit card, I got my money. However, it is pretty important. And it's important because it relates to QuickBooks. If I see $10,000 come over and it was done through Synchrony Financing or one of these finance companies on it, then what that tells to my team is, hey, we're not looking for $10,000 we're probably looking for $9,000 and some change because we know they're going to take out a finance charge. You put it all as cash, we'd have no idea we're looking for a finance charge. But more importantly, one of the biggest things we used the payment types for is tracking down some of these deposit clearing issues. Client thinks that you're getting 100 grand, only deposit $90,000. First place I'm looking is the payment types report. Let's see how we were paid. Credit cards are a little bit trickier to steal. Finance company charges are extremely hard to steal cash is relatively easy. And so if I'm looking at something, the biggest thing that I'm looking at is, hey, do we have enough cash here that could justify this? So if I'm looking at this and saying, hey, my client was short $10,000. Oh, would you believe that? That's right around the same amount of money they collected in cash. Call my client up. Hey, you pocket the cash. "Mm, Maybe. Why? Okay. We got our answer. Now, if it's all cash, I have no idea. Neither does my client. And it's very hard. Because all those deposits look different when they're coming over from the bank. Counter deposit looks different from a credit card deposit, looks different from a synchrony financial deposit. We can actually match up the dollars by payment types in QuickBooks to these reports if you are using them. And again, if you're not doing the payment types correctly, then your AR report could still be right and your end of day report is still going to be right, but it doesn't go the opposite way. If your AR report is not correct, then I would almost guarantee your payment types report is not correct because a lot of those payments aren't getting put at all, let alone getting tagged to the correct method. Now, next one on here is the category profit summary. And this one is called a lot of different things. Um, Part sales by category, part sales by type, part sales by vendor, a number of different reports and some, uh, some shop management software have all of these different ones. But the biggest thing that we use this category profit summary is some shop management softwares do not split out tire sales. And so what we have our clients do is we say, hey, when you sell tires, tag that category as tires so at the end of the month, we can run that report and we can quickly pull out. All right, there was $50,000 of part sales, but 6,000 of those were tagged as tires. We can see the sales, we can see the cost, and we can start splitting this out to analyze this. Another thing that we can use this for is if we look at the, for the month and we say, man, your margins were a little bit lower than we expected. They're exactly the same as QuickBooks as they are in your Napa tracks. So it's not a discrepancy there. 35% is accurate. That's what you thought you were going to get. And that's what you did get. Now, why? And that's when we pull up the category profit summary report and figure out, hey, did we do a lot of oil changes? Did we do a lot of heavy line work, right? Did we do a lot of transmission work? Some of these things where we're knowingly selling this at a lower margin that could explain the discrepancy. When we pull up that category profit summary report and we can take a look at this and say, all right, you know, the margins on all these other categories, AC, brakes, cooling systems, whatever, all that's in the 50% range. But man, look at that. You guys did do like, you know, two thirds of your work was engines and rear ends. This is going to pull your margins down. There's nothing to panic about. We do, you know, it is kind of to be expected. The worst thing I can see when I pull up that category profit summary report is everything is unclassified or no category or something like that. Very, very common, especially when we start working with a client at first that's maybe I never used this report before. If you're looking at this and you're seeing, all right, do we have the correct vendors on here? Because some of these uh, shop managements are for, this is the way they sort it, is by vendor. So if you're not tagging the vendor to that part, it's just going to come up as no known vendor or unknown. Again, making these reports less and less useful, all because someone on the front counter wanted to save a minute or two. So pull up those category profit summary reports, pull up those part sales by vendor reports, and make sure we don't see unknown unclassified. If you do, make your guys go back and fix it. Very hard to go back and do that for a month. A lot of my clients kind of spot check this on a weekly basis, some even a daily basis. Hey, you know what? forgot to tag a category for this ticket for that. And it's part of their end of day process to make sure that all of that stuff gets in there. Again, you're paying good money to use these shop management software. It can do a ton of stuff, but it can only do as good as the information that you put in there. Last one on here is can jobs. These are all kind of, I was going down through and, and I started with that one story then was thinking back of the recent memory of issues that we've had um, and AR, payment types, category, profit summary, all three different you know instances of issues I've had and a couple of clients, multiple of these. But the last one on here is canned jobs. Canned jobs are exactly what you think they are. Job that's all canned together, already grouped. Maybe it's a brake service. Maybe it's a cooling system. Maybe it's an AC thing. Um, where you got the parts, labor, all built in one. Up, oh, you're coming in for that. Boom, can job and done. Have you looked at those lately? A lot of people probably haven't. And the reason why the can jobs is so important, this again depends on what shop management software you have. Some of them, if set up correctly, if you update your labor rate, is also going to update the labor rate in the can jobs. But a lot of them do not touch the can jobs. So let's say you take your labor rate from a hundred bucks to $200 and your can jobs for breaks was 300 bucks. You might think that it's automatically going to adjust that. Some do, some don't. Another thing that I see sometimes on it, and we've had to do like a physical audit on these sometimes is, hey, you haven't messed with those can jobs for a long time. You thought that you were making 30, 40% margin on that because you knew what you used to pay for those brake pads or those rotors or that fluid for whatever flush you're selling on that, but you haven't touched that in three, four, five years. might surprise you when you start running those numbers on how much margin, if anything, that you're making there now. This, and a lot of other reasons, is a great reason to do spot checks and random audits. All the top shops out there are at least yanking one or two tickets a day or a week or something and just pulling them up, not telling the people that we're doing it, not telling the advisors, hey, select one for me to look at. Hey, see a job out there in a the shop. Maybe one that you're nervous about or it's looking questionable. Pull up the ticket. Make sure that it was correct. Make sure it was complete. And this is a big one on it. Oh, great. All right. You sold new calipers, new rotors, new pads on this. Good margins there. Why don't we sell a flush? You know that this is a prime example of not doing a flush. And our process and procedures, our SOP, is that if we do a full service like this, it gets a flush. It's making sure that we're protecting our warranty and all kinds of stuff like that. Also, another thing is to look at this. Can jobs are, a lot of my clients have hundreds of these different jobs on there. You might not have ever looked at this or hadn't done that job in a while. So when you pull up that rear end can job on this and you might notice, whoa, that is way too cheap. We cannot be doing this for that cheap. I didn't even know we were doing this for that cheap. I had not looked at this stuff. Look at it. Best case scenario, you don't notice anything at all, but I guarantee you doing these random audits will probably give you a little bit of information. And if it doesn't give you any, that's probably a good thing. And it means everything is going as you thought. Now that you listen to all of this, maybe you're looking at the mess that you have created and you might be thinking to yourself, well, Mitchell is never going to be right, but good thing I'm switching over to Napa tracks and this is all going to be behind me. Wrong. Not only is this information always going to be important, but if you have junk in there, it's going to be ported over to your new system. And when they import your data, you're going to be starting off on the same bad foot that you were trying to leave. There's no reason to try and start fresh, only to have the same issues follow you into the future. So as always, please share with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at com. Just want to say thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the Network.com and on your favorite podcast listening app. Thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for Advancing the Aftermarket.